That is the coolest background. <laughs> so good. The scratchiness is awesome. So welcome back to Horror Cats and Witch Hats with Katie and Izzy. Uh, it's episode thank you. three. Yeah, episode three. And a big thank you for everybody who's already listened. It's exciting. This is really exciting for us. It is. I thought maybe we would have like four listeners and they were all going to be family. And we have yep. so much more than that. And some of them are international. And it's so awesome to see. And yeah. So thank you. We appreciate you being here. We hope we entertain. <laughs> so without further ado, the movies that we will be doing this time are Sinister 1 and 2. I like these movies. These movies are good. So I had seen the first one when it first came out. And... It was rough, so I didn't see the second one until we decided to do it for this podcast. Well, I, uh, it did. Let's see. When was okay? When was Connor? <laughs> when was Connor born? Two thousand twelve. Okay, so that makes all sense in the world. Yes. Uh, yeah, because you have a kid. I don't, but I thought these movies were great. I I enjoy them as much as horrifying images can get. Yeah, I'm also that person that just loves to continue horror things when it gets me on edge and they this movie has some really great great pieces in it that just make it wonderful. There's some really great shots. So, some of our listeners requested that we do the plot for the movies prior to discussing them and we heard you and we would be happy to oblige. However, I can't guarantee that it will go smoothly because we like to interrupt it <laughs> and give commentary. So be kind. Let me, let me let me let you guys know I'm ADHD, so that that causes a lot of storytelling problems because I like to go off on little pieces to inform everybody about everything. Well, we we have so much history and stories that we we just don't talk yeah. about it. Kind of like we are right yeah. now. So with okay. Sinister One, it came out in October 2012. And the director is Scott Derrickson. He has also directed The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Hellraiser. And Hell Hellraiser is one of my favorite movies, and Andy's too. Uh, so I still haven't seen it, so that will be another first for me when we get there. It'll be a fun time. Uh, Deliver <laughs> Us from Evil and Doctor Strange. And I think he's a part of the newest the Doctor new Strange that comes out later this year. Which That's is exciting. Yes. I like those. Those are very, they're very intricate movies, which I think is really cool. So he's got a lot of intricate pieces into his building. I like it. And he wrote the screenplay for Sinister along with C. Robert Cargill, I think is how it's pronounced. Yes. And I guess Cargill gets his inspiration from Nightmares, much like Stephen King. Mm -hmm. that, that's his name, right? Stephen King? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Stephen King, he has, he gets nightmares and writes them down. So it comes out. So he gets them out of his head basically and doesn't think about them. That's how we get the awesome masterpieces that he's done. That is traumatizing. I love his movies. So, um, yeah. Sinister starts out just insta creepy and it has this music to it that we played at the beginning. And it's called Gyroscope by Boards of Canada, which I think is class of, I think, ugh, 
classified as like a Norwegian EDM. And it sets such an eerie tone for this whole movie. It's it's so cool though. Yeah, and if you Google it, the like videos associated with the song through YouTube are kaleidoscope like and it, it works. All makes sense. Well, I was gonna say it starts off with a, a family moving into a brand new home. Well actually, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me write that. Yeah. Back it, it up, starts girlfriend. off. Yeah. The the movie starts off with the uh an immediate death or four deaths, I should say. Uh, the first thing you see is like a four is a, a group of four people being hung from a tree, and uh, it's old, super super old, filmy type look. And then you know it what I mean. cuts to the actor Ethan Hawke, who is playing a struggling true crime writer, Ellison Oswald, and he is moving his family into this brand new home to write his latest novel about a missing girl whose family was murdered. Coincidence? I think not. No. There's no coincidence there. Yes. And it turns out that the family that was hung from the tree lived at that house and the tree is in their backyard. And he does not tell his wonderful wife this. <laughs> would you Would you tell Tyler if you guys moved into a murder house? Yes. So I actually asked Tyler, would you move into a house that where a murder was committed? And we had both agreed that it depends on the extent of the murder. <laughs> you know, that's fair. Like, if it was something that was clearly set up for a haunting, um, probably not. But if it was just like a typical, I don't know, I don't know why you would call it typical, but a less awful murder... I don't know. Like where somebody like might have fallen down the stairs on accident. Yes, or like they had a heart attack or something natural. I could yeah. get past that. I I can understand that. <laughs> so he ends up finding a box in the attic with a bunch of old school films and a projector in it. And he starts watching them. Uh, and they are Super 8 films, which is that old school filming style. Uh, yeah. Which the director made sure was true to filming as well he filmed those scenes with the super eight i can't imagine how hard that is i took a film class for like photography film that was hard enough he <laughs> we're gonna digress but he comments in some articles or something that he actually it was really kind of a pain because he couldn't just refilm things over and over because these scenes are all awful murder scenes and it was really hard on the actors like to be drowning so he had to make sure that they could get these done in one or two takes. So he starts watching these films on this little projector thing that's all set up that is with this in this box. Eventually he notices that there's this super creepy face guy in all the films. And he yeah. concludes that this is probably uh, some sort of serial killer of some sort. Yeah. So the person that's doing this, basically, because you never see who's behind the camera. Uh, he also has a son and a daughter. The son's roughly about 12. Daughter, maybe 7 or 8. Something around those ages. I concur. Um, and sadly, his son has night terrors and sleepwalks, which is really rough. Uh, and then most thing I'm jealous about in this entire planet, and I can't wait to own my own house to do this, but his daughter is like an artist. And they allow her to paint on the walls as long as it's in, in her room. <laughs> and her drawings, although they 
try to make them look like they were done by a seven or eight year old they're really good like they're all kind of abstracty yeah um, or surreal i don't really know what the term is i'm not an art major but it was they're good so once he starts watching these videos and putting things together that is when just the spook spook happens and the spook spook and like his son starts sleepwalking and having these terrors in the creepiest ways manageable in yeah. imaginable so um which by the way the creepiest one to me was when he like finds them in the bush and he's just that was staring and you just see his face and it's super cold yeah see see the scariest part to me was that when he was coming out of the box <laughs> yeah that part's pretty terrifying it had that typical scary movie element where it's a child kids backbending yeah backbending and screaming and being creepy i, I would think not that's so uncomforting uncomforting uh, yeah <laughs> i'm comforting i don't think it's a word <laughs> i don't know what the right word is but it's not it. uncomforting <laughs> uncomfortable yeah disconcerting yeah, uncomfortable is a word but not yeah, see not giving comfort a foreign country or, or in wartime okay well is an <laughs> uncomforting place <laughs> it doesn't sound cause right. dis cause discomfort and sometimes uncomforting truths so it is a word hmm. ha. i shouldn't play scrabble <laughs> miriam webster says it is so there oh google you let me down so Eventually, he hooks up with the sheriff, sheriff's deputy, and gets him to start helping him investigate these. And the deputy's name throughout both of these movies is Deputy So-and-so. You never actually get his name. Can I just tell you that I love that it is Eddie from the recreations of It, the new It, um, because that actor is a wonderful actor and is so funny. He's also, I think, in Prom Night. What? The remake? The one with uh, Brittany Snow? That's it. Um, he's in a movie called Mr. Right, which is a Netflix original, which I thought was pretty good. Um, he's in a lot. Um, but cool. those are the ones that like I recognize him in the most. Yeah, he does a great job. Deputy. One of the... Yeah. Uh, no, wait. I digress. Focus on the plot and, <laughs> and then notes. Okay. Yeah. See, we're not good at this. <laughs> so, he's, so he's working with his deputy who is giving him information about all of these... Uh, places because he has the addresses of these films so he gets so directed to a professor in occult studies and they determine that there is something supernatural afoot and it's because well, there's a symbol and it turns out that every one of these murders ended with a child missing and plot twist it gets revealed that the missing kids were murdering their families yeah they were the ones recording Yes, and recording. And it turns out that they were being coerced or whatever by a deity, mm -hmm. which we'll get into later. Basically, some haunting ensues. Ellison moves his family back to their original, apparently, mansion. And yeah, then no big deal. Deputy so-and-so calls and says something akin to, It's coming from inside the house! And <laughs> then he gets drugged by his daughter. They get axed their whole family gets axed and she is like painting on the walls in their blood nbd no big deal it's fine yeah and then the dd comes and takes her into his movie world i guess we forgot to mention it but the hauntings are the children that were missing 
Yeah, so they're all the children that this deity has taken. Promise me, or I promise you, we'll get better at this plot thing. <laughs> yeah. While I was doing this plot, or writing out the plot, I was thinking of those streams where it's like accurate but misleading movie descriptions. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to see what accurate but misleading movie description you would provide for this movie. Um... Do you have one ready? I'm curious. No, but the only thing that I can think of is like little girl explores painting with various modes. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not good at this. <laughs> Movie descriptions. Let's see. Um, so I have some to inspire you. I'm going to say the okay. description and I want you to try and guess the movie. Deal. Okay. An ailing uh -oh. pet <laughs> desperately seeks to be reunited with his family. Um, it's, I want to say Pet Cemetery, but I know it's not. It's oh, Cujo. Cujo. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Although, um, Pet Cemetery might have worked. Because <laughs> it's a cat. I mean, it, yeah. All right, next yeah. one. Young Church. boy and his okay. group of outcast friends attempt to murder a serial killer at their exclusive boarding school. It's not Gossip Girl. I've never seen Gossip girl <laughs> i don't know it, it's it's not it's not uh, uh the final is it no because harry potter what the oh god <laughs> <laughs> i'm over here like trying to like scratch my brain of horror movies yeah okay. i wanted to keep a horror movie theme but some of these were just too good i mean one. that's fair it i i was so confused but it makes sense I, I this guess. last one is a horror movie Local Texan families attempt to share traditional arts and crafts with visiting college students goes awry. Um, I'm going to go with, is it the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Oh. 400, yes. Boom. I'm sorry, I don't watch those Jeopardy games, but like I felt like it needed to be said that way. Uh, that one was too easy. So, listeners, if you have a good, accurate, but misleading movie description, please send it to us in a Gmail. Or post it on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you want, and we will read them. Please. I'm so intrigued. <laughs> First off, Ethan Hawke. Every time I see him, I cannot not picture him in the movie Taking Lives with Angelina Jolie, where he is holding his mother's head um, in the elevator. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. Um, that's the only image I have of him ever. <laughs> really i he's in a lot of stuff and i'm trying to think i always i always get used to get him uh and kevin bacon confused i don't ask me why you. i do too but and i know he's he's huge and he's in a lot of stuff but that is the image of ethan hawk that i have in my head <laughs> yeah that's totally understandable one of the things that i think is pretty consistent with a lot of scott derrickson's movies is like the jump scare factor and this movie definitely has some jump scares in it oh yeah um the children that haunt the house they are like playing hide and seek it's really weird but i love the way where how it builds on itself so when it starts he's just hearing all these miscellaneous creaks Mm -hmm. And then with each night, you see more and more of the children. 
and it they show you how these children are causing the creeks as they're like running around behind him. Um, I liked that little tiny detail. Although it's also footsteps always freak me out. Just it, hearing footsteps is a terrifying thing for me. And a lot of the sounds that they are making are things that I would tell myself are just regular house sounds. <laughs> it's fine. It's just the house. It's just the house. Yeah, like, oh, it's just the cat or it's just a house. I'll always blame it on the cat. Like Bilbo's behind me and she's probably ca causing some sort of ruckus. The <laughs> one thing that I would have loved for them to have done is something like, uh, I think it's the house on Haunted Hill where mm -hmm. these kids are just in the background um you like see their reflections or you see hands under the tables and stuff like that i was looking for that the whole time i was watching are you thinking of the haunting of hill house yes that's what i'm thinking of it's a wonderful tv show that i love so much and watched multiple times we're gonna do a house on haunted hill the traditional one with vincent price because that that's completely different <laughs> yes the details from the haunting of hill house yes <laughs> the names are so similar the haunting yes. of Hill House with those ghosts in the background and all those things, like the Easter egg ghosts. Always oh, the one under the the one under the piano scares the crap out of me every time. All of them are great, but that's, it's wonderful. That detail I would have loved to see in this movie, with the kids in the background or their faces. Yeah, in the windows I, and stuff. That would have been cool. That would have been really cool. I get that one of the things was that these scares were supposed to be in your face. Um, but it just would have added an extra ominous right. thing. But also, I like probably missed a lot of the details from Ethan Hawke specifically because I was so intrigued, like looking in the background, like, oh, is his face gonna be in the <laughs> where? Where is it? Yeah, is he in the bushes? I see it. Oh no, that's just a kid. It's fine. <laughs> okay. And. Let's see. For Deputy So-and-So, one of the things I did appreciate about this movie as well is that they present a someone in the police force who is competent. I feel like that's something I that know. a lot of horror films don't have um, or thrillers. It's usually just the police officer being like, oh, you'll be okay. It's just kids. But this guy was like putting shit together. It's not real. It's not real. That's most of the things. And so, yeah, that's not something I would have immediately thought of that is a smart thing i like that because he's like you know i have a bachelor's degree i'm not stupid i get that these are all connected just tell me what's happening he's like i can put this together you're asking for these in specific ways i like way to put that one out there i like that there needs to be smarter cops and less dumb women that run upstairs <laughs> yes at least the haunting was focused on the father and so the mom like didn't have any idea what was going on the whole time which makes me wonder if any of the other families were haunted the same way that he was or if that was very specific to him like with the kids yeah because he um has the films that keep turning on the night and he hears all these sounds and he wakes up at 3 a.m every night which we'll talk about later um but he, like, he is experiencing these hauntings. And I was wondering if other families do as well. or I if, can imagine they would. Or if they're just, like, living the dream. Um, my one thought to that would be that maybe 
he was kind of an anomaly because he was trying to dig into these films and death was like a big part of his life yeah but also he is not a totally pure man (laughs) he's not so innocent um and he because he's kind of a fame chaser like he watches his videos of from when he was big a big writer and he talks Mm -hmm. about how oh i'm doing it for the people and their stories need to be heard but really he's like i just want he just wants fame and money yeah he's like i want to be famous again so i don't know maybe that was part of it but i digress as we've revealed the daughter ends up being the murderer and you do not see that coming the whole movie they really hone in on the kid and his night terrors the, the boy yeah yeah and you think that it's gonna be <laughs> yeah. him the whole time that's like being enticed i was curious so i did some research on night terrors and sleepwalking at one point the kid is like freaking out and he just takes him outside and he's like look at the stars and the kid just is instantly okay i didn't know if that it's was a, a it's a it's a trigger so people with like sleep paralysis and stuff they train themselves to a specific thing that helps them pull whatever it is whatever they're like in whether like the kind of like their trance it helps them pull them out of it but with sleep paralysis you're conscious um right people with night terrors they don't know what's happening they have no recollection so that was the one thing that i i guess that's fair i didn't know because yeah well with like sleepwalkers you're told not to wake them up you're told to just like take them back to their beds aren't you I don't know. Maybe it's like the equivalent of calming the Hulk down, where she's like, "It's get the sun's getting real low, big guy." <laughs> That's like how they calm him down during his <laughs> night terrors. So night terrors tend to occur in the first two to three hours of sleep, which is not consistent with this movie. That's like one of the small things that's not a consistency in this movie because his Mm -hmm. night terrors are occurring at like 3 and 4 a.m. in the morning which is when nightmares happen but not night terrors because it happens during their non-deep REM or REM cycle part of sleep unless that kid just stays up really late and went to bed at like midnight I don't know some kids are crazy (laughs) I like sleeping (laughs) I know kids they're the worst because they're like i don't want to sleep and as an adult you're like you'll regret this you want to sleep all the time so a john hopkins study or whatever found that it occurs in roughly three to six percent of kids so it's pretty rare Um, but it's most common in ages four to twelve so in the movie they do talk about how he should have been grown out of it by now and it was really weird that he was having them so that's probably true it's also common among boys so he probably did his research for this movie which is i like he did good And in the supernatural world, nightmares have been associated with dark things throughout history. Um, Back in the Mm -hmm. day, they believed that nightmares were associated with demons or signs of black magic or curses, that you were being possessed, etc. And that makes sense since these were happening during the REM cycle, nightmares, not night terrors. Nightmares were happening during that REM cycle, which would be happening around 3 a.m., which is the devil's hour. um, Because that's what they claimed the devil hour. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you always see that in, like, in old movies where if you, if somebody had, like, a, 
bad dream or a nightmare and they're like oh well i think this is gonna happen they're like ah you're seeing things witch yeah i was thinking because we did we talked a little bit about the witch trials Mm -hmm. Um, i was wondering if some of those kids were like they gave me nightmares or if a kid had a nightmare do they like take them to the church and they're like my kid is possessed save save this child (laughs) he's being eaten her soul whatever that's really interesting i wonder if that was like an accusation or something back in the day i don't they'd probably be like oh that spinster lady over there looked at my kid weird today and now he had nightmares which well i wonder if people had like dreams of whoever they would accuse of with a witch and be like oh well she put her she came into my dream and she did this to me and and did all this and therefore witch (laughs) who knows hopefully we never have to find out yeah so the evil deity that's in uh sinister one they call him mr boogie but they find out that he is a Babylonian deity named Bagul, and he feeds off the souls of children. I think that's so cool. <laughs> and while Sinister One sets up the lore of Mr. Boogie, uh, the Sinister Two really shows like how he works and how he takes over children in the other scenarios where families have been murdered. Mm-hmm. Well, he seems to, and I think this is a thing that we'll go over later, but he he preys on the kid that's kind of, I don't want to say the weaker link, but like the outcast almost compared to like others. I would disagree with that because both of these I think it's, kids were I think it's shown more because they were moving Well, I think it's so shown much. more in the, uh, in the first one, or I mean in the second one. I think it's shown more in the second one if you watch like the deaths of the families and who which kid is the soul that's taken and which not. I mean, again, they're all outcasts in a way, but um, they, it's just depending on how manipulatable they are, I think. So in Sinister One, I think the little girl gets manipulated by the little girl ghost. Who, From that house that, yeah. that did the murder at that house. With the, the one that people. they're investigating through art like that is how she befriends her and some sort of way she twists or warps her into murdering her family i don't okay so maybe i don't remember this correctly but i know she sees the little girl when she's laying on her bed and the little girl's like doing that whole thing yeah so that's the only time you see the kids interacting with the kids is that scene and then you see the painting on the wall so that's the only instance you see a connection between the kid and haunting. But in the right. second one, that's the whole plot. <laughs> yeah. So Sinister 2 came out in 2015. It was directed by, I'm not going to say this right, Sierra Foy. And the only movie that I recognized that he has done was Eli, which is... A good one as well. I don't think I've seen Eli. Oh, is that the one on Netflix? Yeah, I think it's a Netflix original. Um, it came out uh, last year, maybe. Or is it really good? 
I thought it was pretty good. Okay, I need to watch it. I haven't watched it. <laughs> um, however, Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill still wrote the screenplay for this one. So that's where the continuity and everything comes in. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Goodness. Sorry. And Sinister 2. Um, Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so it, it picks up basically with the with the deputy. Um, and I love the consistency that they brought him back. Um, that made me really happy. So that was played by James, what is it, Ranson? The Ranson? Something Ran like that. Sure. Ranson. Ranson. Uh, <laughs> turns out there's a huge scandal uh, surrounding his involvement with the deaths of the Oswalds because obviously they died at the end of the movie. And he was the uh, last one to talk to them and he was doing all this secret investigating. Exactly. So he lost his job to that, which unfortunately uh, was bound to happen, I feel. And he ends up becoming a private investigator, or he calls himself a private investigator. Investigator. Yeah. Um, but he basically starts dedicating his life to hunting down all the potential houses where these murders of Bagul have occurred. And he burns down the houses to try and end the chain of murders. To try and break it so nothing can... So this basically stops, which I think is really cool. And that's also not, like, guaranteed, though he thinks that's how it's going to end it. So that's what I think is interesting. But, um... He ends up finding this property where a family was murdered in a church, and it's on an abandoned farm property, I think. So he goes there to burn it down and finds out that a woman and her two sons are hiding out there because she has escaped an abusive but well-connected husband which i guess is how it goes <laughs> i assume he i assume he's rich and he pays things off but uh the the boys are twins i feel like that's a that's a needed thing because twins always have like a weird a crazy strong connection <clears throat> um the mom is played by shannon sosamone um, and I only recognize her from two movies, and the only one I can think of the name of is A Knight's Tale. I love that movie so much. You see Paul, you see Paul Bettany's ass, bare ass, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that's the good part about that movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's not in a lot of things, but I really like her. She is a good actress. She well, she's also in The Holiday. She has a small part in The Holiday. There's another movie she's in where she's a main character, and it's a love comedy movie. Oh, okay. But she's in a lot um, of smaller stuff, I think. Yeah, so so basically the deputy finds her hiding at this apartment. and It's a she, farm. For, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean apartment. I meant an apartment. Um, so said, he finds her at this... Oh, never mind, go ahead. What did I say? I thought you said, I didn't mean apartment, I said apartment. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and then my brain connected the dots and figured out that that's not what you said. <laughs> Relax, girl. So she keeps running into all this shit. Um, a love interest yeah, so builds basically between the deputy and, and the mom. Her, of course. I I think it's really funny how he just goes to burn down the farmhouse, and she's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Nobody's supposed to be here." And then all of a sudden, they have this whole interest thing. <laughs> I guess they had to put it somewhere. I think it was a little off. But I digress. Yeah. Um, so then Deputy So-and-So gets contacted by 
the professor from the first one, his colleague calls him and is like, hey, Professor Jonas is missing, but guess what I found? Yeah. And in and, uh, comes Norway. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna say, because um, he claims the, the professor di- disappeared after finding a Norwegian ham radio associated with the family's murder uh, in this, the 1973 family murder. Which occurred in Norway. And I guess the whole idea is that at some random time over the radio, you can hear children singing or playing a piano, and that is the equivalent of watching a video of people getting murdered. Like, that's how that chain continues is through the radio. Crazy. (laughs) And then... I work in radio, and I think that's funny. (laughs) As we said earlier, this one focuses more on how the children are manipulated. So you find out that the boys are being talked to and kind of played with, I guess, with the children ghosts from the chain that they are currently connected to. And one of the boys follows them into the basement. Like, I don't know why he keeps going back there, but he goes back multiple times. I guess I know why they explain it in the video. So every time he goes back down to the basement, it's because the kids are telling him to. But uh, each time each the kid comes up with each kid comes up with a new movie and they're like, here, watch mine. You'll love it best. Yeah, and it's weird that it's, it's like a competition of who was I know. the most creative. <laughs> Look at these deaths. So only one of them is being brought down to watch the movies. And his brother gets like super jealous that he doesn't he isn't getting all this attention from the ghosts. And yeah. in an attempt to prove himself <laughs> to the ghost children. He decides to burn his entire family alive in a cornfield. No big deal. I I will say this. So I love scarecrows and things like that. And I think it's really just that's going back to the Jeepers Creepers thing. Love it. But the, so he, they had him. He, they had him tied up like the whole arms out and uh, burlap sack over the family's heads. And. I think it, I know I know it's supposed to happen this way obviously with like the actual dad coming back and like being in this whole situation but uh he never gets the chance to finish his film. <laughs> yeah, so the deputy shows up and like hits the film with his car. I totally thought he was going to hit the kid. Um <laughs> I thought he hit the I thought he does hit the kid. Does he? Oh yeah, cuz he gets No, he totally hits the kid. He gets yeah. thrown into the car and he's like all pissed. And somehow the kid is, like, just fine. The deputy breaks the camera, which I thought you couldn't break those things because in the first one, he burns the film and it pops up and it's just fine. So I'm not really sure why all of a sudden they could break it. Inconsistency. (laughs) I mean, it might be that it's not broken and it pops up again later. But either way, the book... But Ghoul or Mr. Boogie says, you done fucked up and makes the kid incinerate. <laughs> yeah, he well, it's because he couldn't he couldn't finish killing his entire family. And I wonder if that's if he couldn't take the soul because of that reason. Like they have to they have to do like a terrible act in order. For something. So I was going to get into it later, but since you brought it up. So my theory with that is that Bagul requires a sacrifice and these kids murdering their families is the sacrifice. 
and since he didn't sacrifice anybody, he he did isn't able to take his soul totally. I think it, I one hundred percent stand on that theory. I think it has to be the whole family, though. So, but yeah, yeah, but it has um. I mean, kind of a happy ending, but not really. Because then the deputy goes back to his hotel room. And after they think all of this is over, because, you know, he didn't get to finish his film. (laughs) And in his hotel room is that damn ham radio. And he starts hearing the music, like some tinkering piano and the kids singing. And what the kids are saying in Norwegian, um, it's a little girl or a yeah, it's a little girl. And she says, but ghoul can't hear me over your yelling, mom. And that's pretty fucked up. <laughs> no big deal. It's fine. <laughs> so I, the IMDb description for this movie was a young mother and her twin sons move into a rural house that's marked for death. I was like, <laughs> okay, maybe that's how we should do ours from now on. <laughs> Just totally simple that's what it is okay we do we do go into depth i know which was not my intent but we do but that's okay i do like how they focused on the kids in this one and how they were able to be manipulated because they really upped the ante with this movie by showing how the children were very complicit in these murders like it makes it super extra creepy because they're not being possessed they right, chose... they're totally fine with murdering, murdering their entire family. Yes, they murder. They murdering everyone. Murdering, <laughs> murdering everyone. Getting murdering. Yep. <laughs> it's very uncomforting. <laughs> it's a word. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's why I used it. I was showing my support. <laughs> so, there's an alternate ending. There is. So apparently, there's an alternate ending that. The professor that talks to Deputy So-and-so takes the ham radio to his house where he's going to smash it. And then his daughter walks out and Uh poisons him with coffee. Um, Or he gets poisoned with coffee. And then his daughter walks out holding a hammer of some sort. And that's basically how it ends. Cool. I'm gonna have to find a video of that so I can watch that. I didn't know. This is the these are the things you miss out on when you have to stream movies. <laughs> I know the. I really always like going through those extra extended features. Yeah. Oh yeah. I well we deleted scenes and all that fun stuff. Like I have I own Sinister One. I've been able to do that, but I don't own Sinister Two. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, it was on Netflix. Um. Yep. So I I guess. This second movie specifically was kind of inspired by Stephen King's Children of the Corn. Um, Have you seen that? No, I haven't. So I can't really comment on it. (laughs) It's very... I wonder... Okay, that makes sense with like the farmhouse and stuff too. But okay. Um, And then there's an Easter egg in uh, the second movie, I think. I knew it! Um... (laughs) And it's a drawing of the red-faced demon from the Insidious movies on a board in the background in the professor's office. 
Darth Maul is what I like to call that guy. <laughs> and in Insidious Chapter 3, you see the box of film from the first movie or the second one. I don't know. But you see a box of film in the movie um, in the apartment finale. I think, I don't know if I wrote it down, but I think Derrickson directed Insidious or one of them or something. Uh, one of the directors has a connection to Insidious, which is why that Easter egg is in there. It would only make sense. Let's see. And Insidious, Insidious was done in 2010. Insidious. See, now I'm going to start talking about Insidious. So Sinister 2 grossed $54 million with a budget of $10 million, which is pretty damn impressive. Uh, yeah. And so now that you have the background, and we're how many minutes in? <laughs> Um, That's a good question. We are going to go into the theories and things that we looked into. So there's actually not a lot of theories related to this movie because it is fairly straightforward. Right. <clears throat> but I figured we could start with the ghoul, which translates to boogeyman, which made me think of Baba Yaga from John Wick. Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. I think of Baba Yaga from um, Bartok the Magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. So, Bagul um, is a Babylonian deity, as we said, who is also known as the Eater of Children, or Mr. Boogie. And he is played by actor Nicholas King, who has a small part in another movie, but I can't remember what it is. They do end up being able to tie these murders to him because of the sigil that gets painted on the walls or the car or whatever at every crime scene. Yeah, it's found in the th in the, the videos and it's in the, the crime photos. And I haven't confirmed this, but the character of Mr. Boogie looks like a Slipknot band member. So I don't know if that was where they got the inspiration for his face, but he looks... <laughs> okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so go look it up. That's so funny. So... This deity is the brother of another one called Moloch, and he prefers a good child sacrifice. <laughs> and there's a story that um, Bagul decided to copy his brother's sacrifice customs and took children in the night to consume their souls. But then hmm. Moloch got really pissed off about this because he was like, plagiarism, this is my you're, thing. You're copying me. And in, you know, as boys do, he sewed his mouth shut, <laughs> oh. um, which is why Bagul doesn't talk and his mouth is like closed. He doesn't basically have one. And um, this like sewing his mouth shut thing, I don't know if that's why the kids, I don't see it so much in the second one, but the first one, they like, every, they don't say anything. They just go, shh. Um, yeah, they're always quiet. I'm wondering if that was part of it. Like he doesn't talk, so neither should they. Is and... it sad that every time I think of that, I just go back to the, the Gentleman episode from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> where everybody's voices get taken? Isn't that called The Hush? Or is it called The Gentleman? The... Oh, they're called The Gentleman. I think that episode's called Hush. I think okay. you're right. That was That's a great, yeah. Yeah, anyways. That's a great tie-in. Oh, those are the creepiest looking motherfuckers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyways. They float around with a big-ass smile on their face. Yes. Love and, it. Okay. Um, I was also wondering if because he can't talk, that's why the ghosts are the ones manipulating the children. 
Um, so maybe previously he was the one convincing them to murder, but now he's like, nah, I can't do it, so let's do kids. And so, so he's just he's just using every child, it's fine. And also another true brotherly fashion, he decided to give his brother the old fuck you by making the children murder the families to be sacrificed instead of sacrificing the children, which is Melloc's thing. Interesting. Um, so his powers are that he can take the form of animals. In the first movie, we see a scorpion, a snake, which I had to say this to myself while I was watching that. <laughs> um, red on yellow, dangerous fellow. Red on black, friend of Jack. <laughs> oh, see, mine's mine's red next to black, uh, or red next to yellow, you're a dead fellow. Red next to black, you'll be back. Oh, that's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> um, and then there's a dog there in the so first one. so many different ones of those. So many different ones. There's Sorry. A, that's okay. There's a dog in the first one. I don't know if that's supposed to be him as well or if that dog is just a miscellaneous dog who's supposed to represent like a grim or something. Um, Good. But his powers also include influencing children. Uh, telekinesis yeah. was listed, um, but I don't know if he actually has telekinesis or if he's physically moving these items around through his warped magic ways i don't know um he can move between worlds as so our realm and the nether realm i guess you could call it yeah or uh, taking the kids souls and somebody listed hallucinations as one of his powers which is an interesting idea because then it brings in a whole other level of what are people actually saying like hauntings and things like that. Yes. Because I in the first one, there's obviously like he stay, uh, the the dad Ethan Hawke. He stays up late. He's drinking when he's doing all of his research and things like that. But there are parts where he's like seeing things and he doesn't know what's real and what's not. Like all of the um, when he falls through the roof and all of the hands from the kids like pile on his shoulders doesn't fall through the roof falls through the ceiling is what i mean to say. well i would argue that that's different because belloc or not belloc i'm combining the brothers bagul. yeah <laughs> bagul uses uh media as a way to move between the worlds and so he could in that instance where he's seeing the kids hands through the video that he would record it you could just say that that was what was going on in that world. No, no, no. This wasn't. It's not. The, I know what you're talking about. Part you're talking about. I'm talking about when he falls through the ceiling, though, because he he sees those hands on himself. No, he doesn't see it until he watches the recording, and he watches it, and then he pauses and goes back, and he's like, "Oh shit." Hmm. Either way, he does. Like it brings in a different level that I don't know if it's entirely applicable to these movies um, to say that right. any of them are hallucinations. I couldn't tell you. And let's see. I like that they include hobbies. Um, and it made me think back to our Jeepers Creepers episode because we had talked about like how his hobbies were artistic. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, so his hobbies, as listed, were feasting on the corruption of children. And that made me think of the proposal where he's, Ryan Reynolds is like, "Stop snacking <laughs> on children while they a... dream." Oh yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I put the arts as one of his hobbies because he seems to enjoy the way that these movies are made. Um, there, there's a there's a way that they're put together 
and and it's sorry it's obviously thought about yes and like the little girl in the over the radio is playing music for him through her piano and these kids are making movies for him it's just it's to me it's like that's his hobby he likes artistic things yeah Um, i can see it through the movie they explain that way back when christians felt like the some of the images that they would find or that were drawings of bagul were a gateway for him to move between the worlds which explains why he likes the, the, these artistic things well and of each of the uh at least in the first one i don't remember about the second one but at least in the first one there's drawings of each of the murders like the kids do a drawing of each of their murders and that's where they see mr boogie because they draw him in there and so that ties into the arts as well because they all each of the kids have a drawing that they drew of each of the murders and how it was done so which to me lends a reason why the little girl in the first movie was selected because she expressed herself was the artist yeah Mm -hmm. and in the second one Obviously, that boy was just easily manipulable because of his violent family history. But um, yeah, yeah, that was my thought process for picking the little girl. So I didn't tie that one in, but yet in before that was that's good job. <laughs> <laughs> but the thought of technology being like a portal between worlds is a common thread in movies. And real life, I guess, because ghost hunters use, um, they, like, record themselves talking to space. Mm -hmm. They're like, if you can hear me, make a noise. And then hours later, they listen to it, and they're like, oh, did you hear that static? Yeah. Yeah, the static. (laughs) Now that I've worked in audio for so long, I see certain, like, things that these ghost hunters do in their films. And they're like, oh, look. And they show, like, the audio waves. I'm like, that's literally just static, guys. It's not anything. It's not. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunate i used to think those things were so cool um did you catch in the second one i forgot to check this detail but when that one of the boys when they're taking him down to look at the videos do you ever see a timestamp for when that is happening so in the first movie the um ethan hawk's character wakes up at 3 3 a.m like every day mm-hmm. and that's when his like most haunting experiences happen. So the idea of 3 a.m. again is a common feature in a lot of scary movies, um, like Amityville Horror, The Conjuring. I and love The Conjuring. This, I love that movie. Yeah, me too. That's uh, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's called The Witching Hour, or more aptly, The Devil's Hour. And it was named by the it's- Catholic Church around 1535 who forbade any activities during 3 to 4 a.m., claiming that it was the devil's hour. That's awesome. (laughs) And during this time, it is thought that the veil between worlds is weakest, allowing demons and things like that to move. Well, that's unfortunate. I wake up at the devil's hour almost every day of my life. But that's for work, right? Yep. So no, it's, I'm going to dance with the devil every time. It's still the devil's hour. <laughs> Some of the ideas behind this particular time slot being selected historically is that Jesus was thought to be crucified at 3 p.m. So the inverse of that being 3 a.m. And we all know that people like to say 
that demonic things like to twist and use the reverse of the holy, i.e. the mm-hmm. holy trinity, um, which is... As I was going to say, three. the three is against the holy trinity. It's like mocking it and... Side okay. note, in Charmed, yeah. most of the evil things also try to warp their holy trinity three power thing. Yep. Um, 3 a.m. has also been associated with witch hunts, demonic activity, exorcisms, rituals, blah, 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 blah. Going back to the nightmares that we talked about earlier happening around 3 a.m., which is more of a biological factor than it is uh, historical or religious, because like we mm-hmm. talked about, that's when your REM cycle hits the deepest. No wonder I never get good sleep. <laughs> and... I prefer to think that it's more of a devil's hour, if you wanted to call it that, than the witching hour, because witches aren't evil. And no, I think the witching hour would be like midnight to 1 a.m. when the moon is highest. And therefore, I would agree. Like they're most power driven, I guess. Mm-hmm. I did find a folklore called La Mala Hora, or the evil hour. I guess it would be La Mala Ora. Sorry. White girl. Instead of the evil hour being a time of day, it is actually an evil spirit that wanders roads and haunts lonely travelers. And she's supposed to be an omen of death, reminding people that they will die eventually. Not so much that they're going to die anytime soon. Um, That makes me think of a woman in white. I feel like a lot of those times, like, women in white stories are always, like, on roads. I can only think That's of the a whole different idea. episode of Supernatural. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it, I just liked that somebody personified it. Um, I thought that was interesting. Hmm. I've never heard of that. I think that is cool. But one of my questions about him is, I, I wondered if he has to be summoned or if he can just because he's like a deity, can just meander in and out of the world and create these new chains whenever he wants, or how that works. Like how each chain gets started. Well, uh, isn't there a part? Isn't there a part in the movie, and now I'm blanking on it and I don't remember for sure, where the, um, the professor is like, if you see him, and capture him, like, like capture him through media, he can come through it. And therefore, so, like, anybody, like, the way that he screen captures the close-up of him on his on his computer kind of triggered that, even though he just moved into that house. So, um, he, that's how he moves between worlds, is through the movies and things. Um, and I guess back in the day, it was the drawings, as Christians believed. Um, if you drew a picture of him, that's how he could come into your life. So I guess if kids were like drawing a picture of the boogeyman, essentially, on their Great. cave walls, <laughs> then it would summon him and then he'd be like, hey, kiddos. So yeah, I guess that is how it would work. Yeah. Because that, that's what I that's that's what I would imagine is like that's the way of like him realizing, oh, you've seen me cool we're 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 gonna kill you i've marked you for death one of the things 
in these movies uh, is there's a lot of foreshadowing. More so in the first one. Oh, I, I love foreshadowing. <laughs> I It's one of those things, much like looking for ghosts in the background, where mm-hmm. as I'm watching, I'm like, is that going to clue to something later? Is that going to clue? You so always... what does that mean later on? That's yeah. always where I go. What does that mean later on? You can Sometimes you can always tell the way that they emphasize a particular sentence. But mm-hmm. in the first one, um, some of the ones that I picked up on were... Hype. I'm sorry. Hype. <laughs> yeah. The... <laughs> She's laughing at my notes because <laughs> I didn't proofread them. And instead of wipe, I wrote hype. Hype. Whipped cream. Yes, I just Hoip. watched that episode of Family Guy, which is probably why I did that intentionally, is what I'm going to say. Uh, if anyone asks. Well, there you go. I did it for you. Love you. <laughs> Anyways. Really. So back to foreshadowing because uh, so, that's a wonderful thing in movies. The we already talked about how the little girl paints, but she at some point in the beginning asks if she can help make Daddy's coffee, and that is how she poisons him in the end. She takes him. She takes him his coffee. And knocks on his door. During an argument, uh, I think it's when the wife finds out that they just moved into this murder house. Mm-hmm. The Muera Muera house. The Muera house. Muera. Um, he's like, it's not like they had to wipe the blood off the walls. And that is exactly the images that the daughter creates at the end. There's just blood all over the walls. <laughs> yep. I, which is great. <laughs> and then I... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I love gore. And I think that's the dumbest thing ever. But like, I think it if you do it properly and it looks good, awesome. <laughs> In the second movie, the only one that I like really picked up on and I'm sure there's millions more, was that Zach, who was the murderous violent twin, wears red, and the one time you see, or like the times that you see his abusive father, he is also wearing red. And Dylan, the docile one who gets forced to watch all these videos, <laughs> he's wearing blue. Who doesn't want to. He doesn't want to watch them. Um, I don't know why he sits there. But anyways. Well, like I said in the movie, it explains it, because they're like, if you don't watch these, you're going to have nightmares. Oh, that's right. That's right. So Dylan wears blue, and so does Deputy So-and-so, and he's the good guy here. Cheers. Cheers. Um, I just I didn't thought of a connection, too, between the two movies. Um, so the first, the boy that's getting forced to watch these movies, the nice twin, he has those nightmares, and that's how they are showing him these movies. And mm-hmm. in the first movie, the boy who also was not selected was having night terrors and probably also being forced to watch those movies. <laughs> Just a- Yeah, the first one, so the first movie is so focused on the dad writing the story and everything like that. And then the second movie is actually focused on the kids themselves, which I think is nice. And I tried to figure out like a timeline for these different murder chains. And so the first movie gives the dates of the murders to set Mm -hmm. a precedent. So the first one is called pool party and it was made in 1966. Um, The family was taped to pool chairs and then drowned. The, and then the barbecue in nineteen or seven, 1979 where um, the family was put in the car and it was chained, completely like chained around so nothing could open. And then he makes it burst into flames with all the gasoline in it. They do a good job making sure that these murders make sense 
with all the tools mm-hmm. that they use to show how the children pulled off these awful things. Um, the next right. one was in 86, and it was lawn work. They're so aptly named. Um, and this one was the first time I watched this, the reason that I couldn't watch the second one. Um, but this, that's because yeah this one's rough <laughs> the little girl is just mowing the lawn and then all of a sudden she runs over the heads of her family <laughs> like it's nothing uh yeah no i thought that one was insane uh the one after that is the 98 murders it's called sleepy time it's where the um the families are all tied to beds or uh, taped to beds and their their throats are slit sink and the one after that 2011 is the family hanging which we talked about and the final one in that chain is house painting which is 2012 when the oswald family gets axed to death can i just give props to the hanging idea because the whole thing happens because a tree branch is is sawed off and they're all tied to uh like a pulley system i think that's the most interesting way that a little girl could do this. And also when I first saw, watched the movie, I wasn't paying attention to the tree like I probably should have been. Uh, and I was like, how is that little girl getting up there? I don't understand. I and I paid attention and there are little like steps that are nailed into the tree. It's a perfect tree for a tree house, which makes me wonder if that was something they were trying on. to build or working yeah. on. Yeah. So in the second movie, they don't give the dates for the murders. I didn't catch them and they're no. not written down i don't know i think i wrote them down in the order that you see them in the movie but don't quote me um i know so- i know the fishing trip is first for fact because it's my favorite one. <laughs> oh, you go ahead and share what it is <laughs> i think I, I this is the most interesting and craziest idea ever but it's a fishing trip where all these they're in i, I assume louisiana the family uh is hung upside down over a swamp and their heads are uh, eaten and they are killed by crocodiles or alligators. I don't exactly know which one is what. But yeah, the alligators and the crocodiles, whichever one they are, actually eats the family by their head. Yeah, it's pretty rough. <laughs> I think I just think it's the most entertaining thing because like, you, I don't know. I don't know if it was for you, but when I was watching it, I was like, "What is going on? I don't understand." Like, how? Okay, how are you going to do this? You're just going to chop off their heads, and then all of a sudden, the first one comes up. And I was like, "What the hell?" Yeah, I thought they were just going to do similar to the hanging, but they were just going to dunk their heads in the water. Um, oh yeah, see, that would have been smart too. But nope, that would have been too pleasant, I guess. Nope, crocodiles need to be involved. That's that's why that was my favorite one, is because it's the most out there. I feel. So this isn't the next one, but my favorite one was Kitchen Remodel. <laughs> um, yeah, that one was good. Is where that sounds terrible. <laughs> the family is all chained up in the kitchen, and the kid puts water all over the floor and then electrocutes them. And you watch him put his boots on and everything. And it's awful. Awful, awful. The the filming of that was the, the actors who portrayed the electrocution did fairly good for that. There was a lot of twitching. It was good. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, the yeah. Go you for go. it. I was going to say, the one after the fishing trip was the um, was the Christmas morning one. And I feel like this one's super rough, just because the family was buried, a, 
like they were they were dug out graves in the snow because it was snowing really hard they were all buried without clothing on like and they're like just barely any clothing on at all and uh they were just being buried in the snow this one has the least shock factor of all of them and it is yeah it's the longest death i'm sure it's the least gruesome uh and probably never mind it's not what i was gonna say i think really the the biggest creepy like the biggest creep factor part in that one was when you see like the they're filming over the bodies that are already buried in snow and it looks like most of them are already dead and completely frozen and then the mom moves her eye i think that's the creepiest part in that death or that scene that's that eye play that we wanted to see in jane doe (laughs) that's exactly satisfaction there um and the next is called sunday service which happens at the farm that these family lives at this is the church murder and this kid nailed his family to the floor and then put uh what do they call buckets over their stomachs with rats inside and then put a candle or something on top of the bucket a hot coal yes a hot coal so that the rat would dig into the stomach and then you see them come out the side to escape from the heat and Mm -hmm. It's really brutal, and I'm sure that one, too, was probably a slow death. You don't die quickly from that, unless they, like, no. hit your artery, but even then, it's, like, uh, two to five minutes. Well, and but. and I know, I don't, don't, don't quote me on any sort of, like, area that this was taken in, but I know that was used, in, used as a, uh, as a torture mechanism at one point with rats, uh, good which is really gross. European torture techniques. <laughs> I used to own a rat, fun fact. His name was Whiskey. I love rats, and that is a great name. (laughs) He was awesome. He he was white and uh, caramel. He was cute. He was cool. He's cool. The final one in that movie is A Trip to the Dentist, and they uh, feature the family in chairs of the dentist's office, and the kid uses a dental drill and drills through their head and all over their mouth. This is why children have dental issues. (laughs) They never want to go to the dentist. It's creepy. Although I I fed into that once. So anyways, the only other reference that you get to any chains of murders related to Bagul is the ham radio that we talked about that was in Norway in 73. Which shows that some of these chains are interlapping or interweaving, overlapping, whatever you want to say. <laughs> and Okay. Uh, so there could be multitudes of chains just all over the place. So the only theories that I found in relation to this, um, one of them I almost didn't want to talk about, but just because theories are kind of our thing, I put it on here. Uh, This person on Reddit said that this is not supernatural at all. It is actually a serial killer cult that drugs the family and causes them to hallucinate where they manipulate them and coerce the children into killing their family which i guess kind of like if you want to go into the hallucin hallucination i'm broken (laughs) i need a reset words are hard um the hallucinations that uh, i guess but i don't i don't like it it's i like the supernatural part better i was gonna say using the deity idea is just so much better and smarter and makes sense 
it makes it just i feel like it makes more sense yeah i agree the only other thing i found was that and this was a very like studious paper it was like a dissertation that somebody wrote so it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. a theory so much as the deeper meanings behind this movie and i'm not gonna get into all that detail because they had big words in it um like economic crisis and things so (laughs) it was too big words that are scary to not understand (laughs) (laughs) so uh the only part that i pulled from that that was pretty interesting is is hauntology really a word? Oh. Possibly. It's the study <laughs> of hauntings. Hauntology. It is a word. Okay. Uh, yeah, right there. Interesting. But anyways, um, so the part that I found interesting from this dissertation is the idea that films that are done in a documentary style, like Paranormal or Blair Witch Project or the Grave Encounters movies, is that y- they are using like a social anxiety that you're watching something that you're not supposed to be watching, like a pirated movie. And so having these films in this movie kind of build that anxiety. Mm -hmm. As you see, like all the murders. Yeah. Like they're, you're, you feel like you're not supposed to be watching them and it not just because they're murders, but they're other people's home movies and it's a little invasive and awkward. Yeah. And this is basically what the writer Oswald does for a living. Like, he takes all these people's lives that he interjects himself into, and he takes their perceptions and rewrites them um, to be sold. And we would like to to think... make money off of them. Yeah. We would like to think he helps, which sometimes he does, but other times he doesn't, apparently. But those were basically it. And if you really want to be studious, that article... (laughs) or the uh, paper, is by John Roberts, and it's called Your Bad Theory Helped a Killer Go Free, which is a quote from the movie. Um, Recession, anxiety, surveillance labor, and the hauntology of the digital in Sinister. Hmm. Interesting. Is it dumb that I want to know what grade he got for that? (laughs) Oh, college. I don't miss you. I'm sorry. (laughs) really long mm-hmm. but it was interesting if you're into that kind of thing Ooh, so pumpkin oh i have a kitten oh, meow. Meow. there's a bilbo there were no kitties in this movie and which is really sad well probably a good thing i don't know what would have happened to it but we did see a puppy. yeah i don't want to see another cat get killed that's that i don't need to see that again <laughs> But in one of the videos, you see a chihuahua that was seemingly unharmed, so... Thank God. Maybe he doesn't care about animals. He just wants the children, and, the, and their family's dead. Animals can live. They're cool. <laughs> so, the um, company that produced this movie is... I, I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> it's Blumhouse, which They're makes, amazing. Yes, they pick the most Bond movies. Well, um, they do so well. They just... They make creepy perfect. They do so well. So besides Sinister, they are behind Paranormal, Oculus, which is also one of my favorites. It's a really Um, good one. The Invisible Man. I haven't seen it, 
but it's on the list. It's it's pretty good. It's a different storyline than the uh, like original Universal uh, 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 thing, Universal <laughs> horror icon. There we go. Uh, but it's really good. I really like the way that they did it. Is the Invisible Man part of the Invisible Man? Part the Invisible Man. <laughs> yeah, the Invisible Man. I shortened it. Now he's a superhero. <laughs> Um, yeah. The Invisible Man it's is Viz. he part of the uh, like ugh, world Universal horror classics? Yeah, the world that has Frankenstein and stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He's a part of the the Universal studio, it... the Universal one. So Dracula, Frankenstein, uh, Are... creature from the Black Lagoon. Isn't that called like the Dark Universe or something? Um, something like that. I don't, I don't remember. Know. Bilbo's trying to get out of my arms when we love you when we do one of those movies we'll go over that but yeah and then they do they're behind get out which is a great movie and many more he is coming out with wonderful things have you watched his twilight his twilight zones the new ones they're wonderful just saying i have not Um, i'm talking about the talking about the guy that makes um that makes Get Out, the guy that did it. I can't think of his name all of a sudden. Sorry, I'm like shaking my head like all of you can see me, but no, no, I have not. Anyways, it's wonderful. Um, uh, okay. So this movie, Sinister, has been labeled the scariest movie ever made. This was done by a company called Broadband Choices. And in 2020, they did, or they wrote their findings in 2020 but they conducted a study where they selected 50 of the scariest movies and then monitored a sample of 50 people watching this movie and what they did was they measured their heart rate so i just told you that sinister was number one whether you agree or not we'll talk about it in a minute (laughs) what do you think was number two of the 50 movies yes the scariest like the top five um, um, I don't need. Can you give me a hint at all? Just guess. <laughs> Pick a number. I have no idea. Uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We'll go there. All right. No, that wasn't even one of the top five, I think. Cool. <laughs> I love those movies. So, the second scariest movie, based off their measurements, were Insidious. Number three was The Conjuring, number four, Hereditary, and number five was Paranormal Activity. So we will post the link to this study and webpage for you to see which movies they went through and all that jazz. Um, Okay. But I do want to say, I don't think heart rate is an accurate measure of fear. I don't either. I don't either. And that's why I'm struggling with this list. Because in particular with Sinister... I think people's hearts were so it had a higher average heart rate than all the other movies. I think the average was 87 or 67. I don't know. Go to the site, you'll see. But that's what they based it off was the highest average heart rate. And yeah. I think it was the highest just because of how uncomfortable the scenes are that you're seeing. It's not because it's scary, it's because it's gruesome. Well, I was going to say, if you want to measure a movie about heart rate, go watch Green Room. 
and measure your heart rate on that one. Because I've never sat so much on the edge of my seat in my entire life with any other movie than I did with The Green Room. Yeah, and it would and make that- it would make me wonder if action movies make your heart rate, things like that. But regardless, I don't think heart rate by itself is a good measure of fear. Because I agree. As we said, this is really uncomfortable material to watch and it makes it it makes you your heart rate. Because hereditary is on this list, I'm gonna say one thing. Uh, I have I uh, Andy has a friend who worked on the filming of Hereditary, and I met this guy. He's really cool. Uh, he's doing filming for a TV show right now. He said the most uncomforting thing was filming the part with the girl who gets her head gone. Uh, he said the silicone head that came in for that to like the prop of her head is the most terrifying thing on earth because of how realistic it is. He's like, it was the most awkward and uncomfortable thing to record and witness. And I was like, I can't imagine. (laughs) I've never seen that movie, so I have no idea what you're talking about. So I'm just going to believe you. It's it's a really interesting movie. It's kind of really hard to understand, to be completely honest. Um, But I also, tying in with, like, the uncomfortability of, like, watching things that you feel like you shouldn't be watching, like, in Sinister... uh, there are a lot of really uncomfortable parts and the biggest death in that part is very uncomfortable and sad and terrifying to watch. So, I mean, th- I feel like that could be another reason with the heart rate thing, especially because it has to do with a kid. It has to do with a young girl. And so, therefore, depending on who you're testing, if they're parents, they might have a higher rate because, oh my god, it- they're imagining their kid. And so... <clears throat> It just leads back to that. I don't think heart rate is a proper way to um, study fear on movies. Personally. Yeah, I'm with you. The other top five list that they took from that was the biggest jump scare. So where the heart rate was the highest, like where it peaked. Mm -hmm. So number one for that was Insidious. Number two was Sinister. Um, oh, Insidious, the heart rate was 133. For Sinister, it was 131, so it was, like, right there. And number three was The Exorcist 3, which I only found interesting because that was Jeffrey Dahmer, the notorious serial killer. Um, that was Jeffrey Dahmer's favorite movie and apparently he would play it on a continuous loop while he raped and sexually assaulted and probably murdered people Um, wow so i found it interesting that because you that like exorcist 3 was his favorite but it's also like on this list Mm -hmm. on the list Um, i'm curious as to what jump scare they were using like with insidious curious which one or if it was just, like, the one where he's, like, behind the head. Or the dad. I don't know. That's true. I don't know if it's an average of all the jump scares or um, just the highest peaked spike. I don't know. Going to Insidious, though, I will say, so you, tying into the music that, like, they play on this movie, I think the mu- the music is wonderful. The damn music in Insidious 
terrifies me and i think that's what makes that leads into the creeper creep factor because of the high shrieking violin sounds that just continuously going that i don't do <laughs> well, i'm sure there's like some biology behind those screeching high noises and your brain waves and all that jazz oh i'm, I'm sure <clears throat> so that was all of our notes for sinister Those movies are good. What, uh, so the kitchen, the kitchen death was your favorite death, correct? The family one. I mean, I use the word favorite loosely, as in. Why? Correct. It was most, uh, the, mm, that makes it sound so bad. <laughs> so I would say the reason I would favor kitchen remodel is, like you said, the detail to, it's probably because of the detail of the murders that you were mm -hmm. talking about um they you like see them burn to a crisp and taking that amount yeah. of detail and you watching an entire electrocution is really uncomfortable and so that's why i would favor it is just because it ups that uncomfortable factor by forcing you to watch something that you would never want to see <laughs> so what was your favorite family death in the first movie then um probably I don't know. I guess I would say family hanging just because it was so creative how she tied him to the tree. That's mine. Exactly. Mine too. <laughs> I but, really like that. I, it's it's just, it's smart. It's smart is what it is. But like as I, terrible as that sounds. Like I said, lawn work was the worst. Like it was so just in your face awful and gruesome. Because I don't know about you, but when I mow the lawn with a push mower i always think that something is gonna spin off and like hit me in the shins <laughs> and so watching yeah. that one really freaked me out it hit home too close <laughs> too close to home. <laughs> no so but these movies i i like these movies they're good i think they're they're original in the way that it's done and talking about this deity they are they're original they have that can't look away although it's morbid as fuck um, idea to it, the music that they chose. It's so good. I love that. I really like that music. Apparently, I need to go find more Norwegian EDM in my <laughs> life. There's a parallel between this deity and the creeper, um, where neither one of them have lines, but you still get the sense of what they're all about. They're artistic. Um, stuff Almost like, like a personality through not saying anything so i wouldn't say it's the scariest movie of all time no but what do you listeners think please tell us write to us do something i really want to communicate with people <laughs> yeah we want we want to hear your feedback we want to know what you think and obviously we want to know some movies that you want us to do that you have a mega interest in exactly and you can do this by emailing us at Horror cats, witch hats, all one word, at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at horror underscore cats underscore witch hats. We are now on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Podbean. Uh, and don't forget to rate, review, follow, and subscribe wherever you are listening to our podcast. We love it. Thank you. And 
after watching all those awful images, uh, cat or other animal pictures, we'll be... take all of them. <laughs> yes, greatly appreciated. Where is my blind cat? She's in here with me somewhere. Oh, she's laying by the door. All right, until Bilbo's next. the best. Until next time, don't summon a deity. Don't murder Ow. your family. Just go love on your cats. <laughs>